thank you for listening to this podcast on the go, where we will talk some sports, community activities, lifestyle, trends, and more. I'm David Endress. You may know me as one of the hosts of Mater Day Radio's Morning Blend. If you are a lover of music and have followed the local music scene over the years, there's a very good chance you have heard my guest blow a mean saxophone. He's an extraordinary musician who is an Oregon Music Hall of Famer, as well as playing with Oregon Music Hall of Fame bands, New Shoes and the Crazy Eights, gold record along the way. But the career of Danny Schaffler runs much deeper than that. That includes helping young students find their muse, along with partnering with his wife to bring in some of the best music acts to a very popular local festival. I can't wait to talk <laughs> with Danny Schaffler. You see what I did there? Yeah, I caught that. That, that, that uh, goes way back. It sure does. I can't wait, of course, a hit song from New Shoes, as so many people know. Hey, great to talk with you. Thank you so much for coming in. Well, thanks for having me. This is... Uh, it's nice to be back in my old neighborhood. You know, I think about how I first met you, and I, I mentioned this to you a little earlier, and that is that you and I, sitting poolside <laughs> at an apartment building along the Willamette River, I was working for a commercial radio station here in Portland, getting up at like 3 a.m., and day was done by noon. You were playing shows for the Crazy Eights at the time, and we would sit out poolside and, and just chat about whatever but that's how i first met you and that's i gotta tell you that's like three plus decades ago well i, I hope i wasn't begging for airplay <laughs> no you weren't uh, it was uh it was fun though yeah that was a great uh experience in the 80s down in northwest what bridge was we, we were kind of in between steel the steel bridge yeah. and the broadway bridge yeah the, the apartment sat between those two locales and then it was easy walking distance to downtown a lot of local clubs that we would go to that the crazy eights were playing at the time but for danny Schaffler, how did you get started in music oh uh well my dear father was a choir director and folk singer so we were learning to sing before we could talk. I think around age three, there's a picture of me trying to hold his Martin guitar. And right. I'm way up the neck. And anyway, he was a, my first real music teacher and supported my sister and I in the arts all the way through our lives. So you, obviously, an uh, incredible saxophone player, is that how you started? Is that you decided yeah. I'm going to play the saxophone? Yeah, I picked Dave Schaffler's least favorite instrument, <laughs> and I didn't want to be a singer. And uh, anyway, he uh, supported flute lessons, and I finally went to New York to study out there because there were still in the 70s. They still had some great jazz musicians there, and uh, some of Miles Davis band were up at City College, uh, the Modern Jazz Quartet, John Lewis. Uh, the great composer of the Modern Jazz Quartet was one of my professors, Ron Carter's chair up there, uh, bass player for Miles. And I studied with Lee Konitz privately, who played alto on Birth of the Cool and various Gil Evans arrangements of right. Miles. So they were all, you could go down to the Village Vanguard, you'd go to the Village Gate and hear Charles Mingus Big Band live mm. still then. And it's just a, a period like we were talking about in Portland in the 80s, the, the 70s in New York still had generations going back to Louis Armstrong's uh, side musicians. 
thriving. And it was really uh, a five years of a great education. Yeah, that's wonderful. And along the way, I've seen you play other instruments on stage. I, I believe the flute. How many instruments can you play? Well, I've sort of learned halfway to play a lot of instruments being a band teacher the last uh, 27 years. Uh, so I even learned how to make noise on a tuba. <laughs> but I would say my uh, p- instruments of choice are the woodwinds, flute, saxophone. I also played keyboards with the new shoes, uh, Crazy Eights, and I uh, used guitar also for writing music. Right. So is an instrument or playing instruments like a foreign language? They say once you learn one foreign language, it's a lot easier to learn another foreign language. Are instruments the same way? Once you know how to play one instrument, it's easier to pick up another? Yeah, technique and theory of playing instruments is a lot like learning Latin and then learning French, Spanish, Italian. You kind of see how they all uh, are logically built and evolved over the years uh, into instruments that you play uh, with wind. Yeah. Uh, creating an embouchure sound. And uh, I, I found that also playing chordal instruments, guitar and piano, you can think a little differently on each one, but they also uh, harmonically are related and uh, how they help your brain see the big picture of music. Right. That's yeah, it's interesting. So anyway, here's here's young Danny learning to play the saxophone. You move along in your career. What was the first band you ever played in? Uh, we had a band. Uh, my gap year after 70, 1975, I went out to Mount Hood Community College and met a bunch of musicians there. And they were all far more advanced, but there were uh, some of Mel Brown's kids like George Mitchell, Phil Baker, now of Pink, oh, yeah. Pink Martini, Diana Ross. They were all, we were all in our late teens trying to learn mm-hmm. jazz and Mount Hood was the place to go. Uh, Marlon McLean, who later became New Shoes and Crazy Eight's producer, mm-hmm. jazz band. Uh, Marlon was there before us and the group Pleasure yeah. with Nate Phillips. So the, really, the the I think the, the explosion of original bands in Portland started with the education uh, that we received uh, coming into uh, professional playing through those great teachers out at Mount Hood. Didn't Chris Bodie play at Mount Hood? Am I am I making that up? You know, it's funny. He's from Corvallis, yeah. and he went to school with our trombone player Tim Tubb yeah. of Crazy Eights, and they both played in uh, at Crescent Valley High, I think it was, right. and then also at OSU. And Bodie also played on a some Crazy Eight gigs early before I joined. No kidding. And then he probably. I would we'll have to ask, but I think he ended up probably at Mount Hood, and then went on to some conservatory. But I can't remember yeah. which. Still, I mean, Mount Hood Community College, I, I, of all places, not you know, I taught at Mount Hood Community College in oh, their really? your radio program. Yeah. What? Okay, uh, it was. Uh, it was before they moved over to uh, the OPB studios. This was they had their own thing back then. I remember then. they we yeah. used to go out there. Uh, Carlton Jackson was a mm-hmm. DJ there. Yeah. Oh, what a great radio station 
Oh, I had a, I had a blast teaching there. I taught news. I wasn't in the like the musical end of it, just but the news end of it. But still, I loved it. It was great for communications. Yeah, degree uh, associates. Yeah, great. It, it was it was fantastic. So anyway, uh, you started playing music then in in the local scene with new shoes. Obviously, a, a wonderful band. Everybody knows them. They had some big hits uh, throughout the country. How did you end up with new shoes? I don't know. I was pretty naive uh, going to school in Harlem, City College in New York, and John Smith, I had known Valerie from high school, mm-hmm. and we had played in our first band together. It was sort of a reggae band in Portland called Felicidades, mm-hmm. Christopher Kern on Steel Pans, and eventual New Shoes players uh, evolved out of that Calypso reggae uh, confab, and John came out after I'd gone to New York for a few years of college and, and just hung out uh, in New York. And he says, we got this band. So in the summers, I'd go back and play the country fair in Eugene with them and some just what a f- on fire scene it was in Portland. Yeah. And I was getting broke in New York. And after five years of playing in Latin bands, which was a real blessing and awesome thing, I realized it's just not sustainable. New Shoes made an offer. I came back and... Uh, we recorded two records, one on an indie label in Nebula Circle, uh, and then we uh, were, we did I Can't Wait and shopped that in L.A. Val and John and I ran, uh, drove down there, and it was rejected everywhere we went, mm. uh, but we had a great time kind of going around L.A., meeting people and playing our demo, and we did have the opportunity to see what the L.A. music scene was. And when we came back to Portland, things kind of changed for New Shoes. We went from a Tower of Power, Earth, Wind & Fire cover band to just trying to write the next tune. Uh, And we became an original act, kind of just playing the local club scene, which supported us back then. We had Louis LaBamba's with Tony DiMicoli, Key Largo, Last Hurrah with the Mott Brothers. What a thriving scene that was. There were a lot of great music clubs back in the days, back in the 80s. You and I were kind of talking off of the podcast about that. And it was really kind of a, I think, a heyday of music in Portland. Certainly, you're always maybe a little biased about when you're growing up and going out to the scenes. But there were so many great local bands that I can think of. Back in the day, we were talking about Johnny and the Distractions, Johnny uh, Koontz, and uh, I mean... Seafood Mama. Seafood Mama that morphed into Quarter Flash, and obviously Marvin, Rindy, Ross. I mean, they had uh, great music. There was just so much. Am I am I being biased about this, or am I right? No, and, and there were a lot of refugees in Portland, like uh, Oboade from Ghana, master yeah. drummer. He mentored us in percussion Upepo uh, was a very popular quasi Latin new wave band uh, with Brian Davis of Pink Martini now and and a bunch of great people like Michael Kersey really encouraged us young folks uh, they'd been at it for a while I, I would say Mel Brown was a great educator yep but some of the the bands that really impressed me back then they were starting to get signed and I want to know who their engineer was so I asked. Marvin Rindy, I said, who, who, who recorded that Seafood Mama single, Harden My Heart? And it was Fritz Richman who had done Jackson Brown, Bonnie Raitt in 
he had moved up to Portland to retire. So we dug Fritz Richmond out of retirement, and he did I Can't Wait. Mm. And all of a sudden, that had just had that, we were looking for that studio sound you could dance to. Yeah. And he just was such a good engineer, and John was such a good writer, uh, that that tune finally caught on in the Netherlands and in Europe mm-hmm. and came to New York. And on a B-side of a Madonna compilation that went to discos, uh, I Can't Wait all of a sudden was uh, a very popular and Atlantic signed the band. Well, and that song, I Can't Wait, I mean, it was it was at the top of the charts. Went to number three, just like yeah. Marvin Rindy's tune had. Yeah. And I think we all owe Portland's radio stations and club scene a great debt of gratitude because they supported our singles and our our LPs and gave us interviews, Uh, KINK, Z100, Mm -hmm. even KGON and KGW, I would say. Just great support for the local. That's a gold record. It is. Yeah. Yeah. That was a uh, a big big hit. So new shoes, and then the Crazy Eights, a, a band really close to my heart because uh, I was down at Oregon State when that band pretty much I think got together, started to form. So uh, you were there before I was, and uh, Mark Baker, their manager, took uh, over the radio station. Yeah, that's right. And I worked. Uh, were you on KBVR? I, I, I was New Wave Dave. I filled in for Mark for Reckless Mark on oh. uh, his show. He did a show called London Calling, and oh great DJ. So yeah, so we, we had a lot of fun. But that's that was the uh, start of the Crazy Eights, I, I, I believe. I mean, oh, I know we, a little yeah, of that history. Yeah, yeah, but anyway, you end up joining the band and the Crazy Eights. I mean, just uh, what a what a fun band and just again became wildly popular throughout the northwest yeah and it was an independent band uh, i didn't we didn't have to answer to corporate lawyers and uh a and r people and so uh we create uh, mark and todd and the band created their own label uh and it was so fun to just get in, be invited to come join their band and write music with them yeah uh, that's what I'd been looking for, and I didn't have the the right angle with the new shoes. I was doing a little more rock, alt, alternative edge. Mm-hmm. So it really was a good transition for all of us. And uh, I co-wrote uh, and got to co-produce, I think we did six or seven records. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, too, and I don't know if you were part of the band at this point in time or not, but it went on, or went the band Crazy Eights went down to L.A. for uh, was it the TV show Star Search? Okay, and uh, I was watching that like a fly on the wall. Yeah. I was at the last roll with New Shoes, playing my last week with them, and I that they, they had a big screen for sports in last round, and we took a break, and everybody went over to the bar, and we're watching Crazy Eights on Star Search. Yeah. <laughs> and we had all tried out for this novelty show in a studio. Uh, they came to Portland. They said, you know, what do you got, Dan Reed? What do you got here? Mm-hmm. And Dan Reed and New Shoes, I don't know. I think the distractions probably declined because they saw what... Uh, anyway, Yeah. Uh, the great top five bands were there, and uh, Crazy Eights walk in. They're all burned out from 
finals week and they're all seniors at OSU and they, they've driven up to Portland. Maybe they had a party that weekend and they just look disheveled. These and uh, shirts half tucked <laughs> in and hair all messy. And I thought we all had our, we're donning our big hair and right, yeah, uh, fancy clothes we bought on Melrose. And the eights just came in. They were who they were. They were funny. They were just quirky enough to where they got the attention of Star Search, and they went on and got a very high rating on their first uh, debut there with Johnny Q Public. And mm-hmm. I'm watching this as I'm leaving New Shoes and going, "Wow, I get, I see what they saw in that band. I thought they were really." not so together and they had opened for the shoes a few times and they were kind of edgy punk and sky yeah and funk it was i i finally got it and so about a week later i'm playing with some guys from billy rancher's band we start a heavy metal band and uh somebody some guy from interviewed me what are you doing in a heavy metal band and i i said i know it's it's ludicrous <laughs> and i got a call from mark baker and it was so excited to get a chance to join, and we were instantly on the road going to colleges all over the country, because Mark had and Todd had figured out the network of college radio, as you mentioned, and it was, without an internet, all you have is yellow pages and colleges. Right. He's calling kids in Stony Brook, New York, where they're Screamer of the Week, number one in Long Island, going up to Boston and playing the Rat. Uh, where the cars and the, everybody else got started. And we're playing at clubs in New York. I couldn't believe it. I'd never s- had that much exposure. And we owned our record company when we were independent. It made it very special. Yeah, and the Crazy Eights, too. I mean, w- huge on the club scene, great, great songs. To this day, you do a reunion show of the Crazy Eights, and it just shows you the love for that band. People still come out. When the Crazy Eights have played the reunion shows that I've gone to, it's always been packed. Yeah, we were kind of surprised. We even went to Seattle a few years ago, and a thousand people showed up. We thought, oh, it's over. Yeah. But uh, I, I think there is a time when you need to take a hiatus, so we're all working on our own music now. Carl, our percussionist, is playing with Sabroso, a very successful Latin funk band in Portland. They used to be called Rubberneck. Tim Tubb is riding up a storm. He'll have a, a new band by next fall if all goes well. I love his demos. Mm. It's a, it sounds like just back to roots rock. He sort of put the trombone aside and is playing great guitar nice. with Lenny Rancher, if you remember oh, sure. the Malchicks and Billy Rancher. Yeah. So they're coming up with great stuff. We could reminisce down memory lane with all of the bands and the music from back then and, of course, the reunions and things. But I kind of want to turn our attention now a little bit to your career as a music instructor, a teacher, a mentor in music. And you spent how many years as an instructor at Valley Catholic? Well, I did 22 years. Yeah. Uh, I had been at Holy Family. I had also taught at a few small private schools, Catlin Gable, uh, Portland Christian, West Hills Christian, Southwest Christian. And I I got to where I could start little jazz groups in different private schools. Mm -hmm. You might have 100 kids in the whole high school. 
Uh, And that's hard to have a concert band. But when Valley Catholic finally, uh, when I got the opportunity there with Sister Juliana and Sister John Therese, we instantly, in the year 2000, they saw something, and I I came in and we built a little 18-piece concert band into a 40-piece. We had an orchestra there that Sister John Therese and Travis Hatton of the uh, Beaverton Symphony, they took that to great heights. And we would tour. Uh, We went to Germany took the kids to colleges all over the place where they like Stanford and UW, uh, where they, and, and even just down to U of O and they would get, uh, clinics from great band professors. And, uh, we, we, we were a, sort of an outreach. We'd play at retirement homes or, uh, the Lake Oswego Festival of the Arts. Yeah. I'd sit in with Crazy Eights at the Crystal Ballroom. So it was a different experience for than, say, some of the bands that were more legit but less experimental. So I was thankful the sisters gave me a shot. Yeah. You were mentioned that to me that you were grateful for their uh, bringing you into Valley Catholic to do that. And that's, I, I know that probably sticks with you. It does. I, I was like the prodigal son returning from the road, and uh, Sister Juliana never let me forget it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she was, uh, the sisters actually taught me more than I learned in college about teaching the students. I think the overriding thing was the faith-based education. Um, it, it really, these students were highly placed in college. They had come from all walks of life. We had, and I loved teaching there because there would be these math whizzes from China who would come to school for four years and be in my band. Yeah. And for them, it was nothing to play uh, Debussy or Chopin and they'd want to learn jazz. Yeah. So what a great opportunity to take just such talent, Korean students. We had students from Africa, South America, and then just the local neighborhood. It was a, a learning experience for me every step of the way. How rewarding well, let, let me ask it this way. Levels of rewarding. It's rewarding to play in a band and to earn a, a gold record, but it's got to also be rewarding to see one of your students go on to college and become an adult, and whether it's in a career in music or whether it's just playing for fun, for their passion— the rewards of that. I would uh, point to a few success stories because not many of our students became music majors, but many kept it in their, they might have minored in music. Say you go to University of Portland, you, you're you going to be a chem engineer, yeah. but you're also minoring in music because they have a great music program. But I have uh, James Ford graduated in 2012. He went on to work with United by Music, which is special needs, uh, students singing with band members from around Portland. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he also plays in Dorado and a few well-known local bands. And it's just great to see, uh, go out and hear James play and his mom shows up and and I'm seeing this guy who's also a math whiz, so he's a great accountant. He can make a living. And then there's other folks who've moved to LA and become professors. They might have two doctorates one in music and one in geriatrics. They're doing Allison Ballbag is amazing, and she's a, a, a music therapist Yeah, and training other therapists. So uh, there's a lot of success stories out there. Eloise Kim is a classical pianist in New York. 
but uh, not everybody did that. What what I liked is they kept music going. Last year, in the middle of COVID, I'm at home all cooped up with my wife, and we were just uh, sitting, when are we going to do with music now? And five guys from Valley Catholic who are all graduated, been to Afghanistan, been to college, wherever they, they all got together, and they called me up, and on a Zoom, they played Johnny Q Public, which nice. is a crazy eight yeah. anthem. And they said, we, we, we still play, Shoffs. We've got this metal band next week. You can come see us. So there is that, too. Have you ever seen the movie Mr. Holland's Opus? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a true story. And I think it was the, one of the great inspirational stories that when I was just finishing up my career on the road, I saw that and I thought, that's my story if I, if I want it to yeah. be. Yeah. So I was well. That's what for, that's immediately what came to my mind as you're saying this is, uh, Mr. Mr. Schaffler's opus. By the way, Mr. Holland's opus filmed in Portland. Yeah, a lot of uh, people I know, some of New Shoes Horns players performed in that movie. Jim Cheek and several others. I got to bring this up too because I, I just happened to think when you were talking about some of your students heading off to college. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I was watching a college football game, and I think it was the University of Washington, and the marching band... Conducted by Todd Duncan, our lead singer. ...played yeah. a Crazy Eight song. Was it Johnny Q? Uh, it's a, it's part of their—it's not their fight song, but it is something they play at every game. Yeah. And when the Beavers are up against the Huskies, both bands have a, a band— off yeah and there's one point where they both joined on the field and todd was allowed to climb up the ladder with professor douglas and conduct both both bands yeah and that was his 50th birthday it was really a a peak experience and you can see that on youtube uh the huskies and johnny q you can kind of google that on youtube i had i yelled for my wife you come in here you got to hear this. Oh, it, it was amazing. Who has a better arrangement, the Beavers or the Huskies? Yeah. But the Huskies have recorded it. It's out there now, uh, a studio recording. They've played it hundreds of times at games. You can see it on sports reruns. And the Mercer Island uh, Seattle High School Band played it in the Rose Parade. I think they did one of the best performances while marching in that long parade I've ever heard. The Crazy Eight's legacy will live forever because of uh, college bands. I love that. It's kind of become a, a, a sleeper, a, a cult classic for marching bands. We licensed a, a couple other songs to U, University of Washington. Incidentally, we go way back with them because the Young Fresh Fellows, Yeah. Uh, one of their guys was a professor, I can't remember which one, at UW, and we actually did a lecture there once. It's <laughs> great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, the the tentacles of Danny Schaffler in the local music scene as an educator, a teacher, and it continues to this day because one of the events that my wife and I love to go to, and we've been going to this for quite a few years now, is the Lake Oswego Festival of the Arts, which, by the way, is coming up. I, I wrote it down, June 23rd through the 25th. So uh, yeah. we're just several weeks away from this festival. By the way, it's at George Rogers Park in Lake Oswego. It's a wonderful venue. Uh, they have art booths set up, but there's a huge stage, a great stage for music. 
And you and your wife have been curating the music for Lake Oswego Festival of the Arts for how long now? I think this is our 18th year. Wow. And we're reaching the 60th year as a community of promoting art and music. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful event, and it's very intimate, yet you're bringing in these wonderful musical acts, which last year... We had so much fun. You had a member of Paul Revere and the Raiders play there, and it was just anybody of our age or older will certainly remember Paul Revere and the Raiders, a great Northwest band that went on to worldwide fame. But uh, he played Fang, right? Phil Fang Volk. Yeah. uh, and, And he let us all know the great stories of playing for Dick Clark on where the action is. And the, you and I would run home right after school to watch that. Yep, Fang, I, I met him at a memorial jam for Mike Mitchell of the Kingsman. And he came up and we played with Mike Skill of the Romantics and the Kingsman, of which uh, that band I've become an honorary member over the years. Nice. But anyway, I'm very proud to uh, have been able to honor Mike Mitchell, the guitar player who played the solo Louie Louie for the Kingsman. And we that's how I met Fang. And he had come up a few times. Keith Allison, Harpo, uh, a few of the Raiders were all there at one time. We were all together with the Kingsman, and mm-hmm. it just felt... And we also, the lead singer of the Raiders has come up a few times to the Oregon Music Hall of Fame. Name escapes me at the moment. Like Mark Lindsay? Mark Lindsay played... Uh, with Everclear, we all did Louie Louie at one time or the other. So our connection to the Raiders goes way back when Crazy Eights opened for Paul Revere and his Raiders. So there are many different things that have gone on over the years that have blessed me to get in touch with Fang and say, can you come up to our festival? <clears throat> and he did, and and we had Mark Bosnian of New Shoes. We had Marty McRae, uh, used to play the D Street Corral. A lot of the old timers were there Alex Hart, whose dad managed the the Raiders, and uh, Greg Georgeson of Sequel. Mm-hmm. And they really put on a good show, I thought. Yeah. You bring in these acts, and I, again, I've seen many of them because we've gone to the <clears throat> Festival of the Arts uh, a number of years, and it's always wonderful because you always get an opportunity to get up and play with many of the artists because they, they need background musicians or somebody to to be there with them. And that's that's a, I say that because that's a credit to your skill and your musicianship to be able to step in and play with these bands. And I would guess probably with a not a lot of rehearsal because they're coming in for the show and it's like, okay, I'm going to hop in there and play. It's got to be just a lot of fun. And it's good to not play sometimes because when... Uh, you know, I sat in with Mel Brown, and I immediately know that I'm in over my head. <laughs> and I don't know this year, you know, who might ask. I got to play with Ural Thomas on his record, but they're so tight. If you some of those guys are from the Daddies, you know, you really want to be rehearsed yeah. to play with those guys. But it's always been fun, and I I think of a, one of my favorite shows on. I used to watch Daryl's House, Daryl Hall. Oh yeah, he, I mean he plays with everybody from Todd Rundgren to uh, Joe Walsh. And he, you know, who cares uh, if you're not quite as good as you should, but he is. Well, I that would be my goal is to just be, a, uh, I guess my heroes are guys that do it right. I haven't learned how yet, but Paul Schaefer or 
the Tonight Show band. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I think you do do it right, because I've seen many of your performances, and I know you're a perfectionist, but I think for the average listener like myself out there, you, you know, it's it sounds great. So all of us are, are loving it to see to see you play. This year's lineup, why don't you go over some of the folks who are coming? Oh, thank we'll you. Give, yeah, we'll give a little promotion here for the event coming up again, June 23rd through the 25th, George Rogers Park. Now, the event, too, you can just walk up. No tickets are necessary. They ask for a, a, a free will offering, which is always nice to give us like five bucks for uh, a person, 10 bucks, a couple, whatever the case may be. So it's really affordable and it's a great venue. But who, who do you have coming? Uh, thanks for the opportunity. Uh, we'll have Stephanie Schneiderman with Jennifer Conley. Uh, uh, Jennifer plays with the Decemberists, but she uh, before she takes off on her tour, she's playing at our place with Stephanie. Great original music. They have a Lilith Award. They just won. Uh, Andy Stokes will be back this year playing with his tracks and his keyboard player. Uh, He's been on the Billboard R&B charts for several years. Some people who enjoyed Cooler and Pleasure will remember that whole evolution of uh, soul and dance music that New Shoes tried to copy. (laughs) I think they would admit that. The great Bruce Carter, the greatest drummer ever, uh, we used to sit there with napkins and try to write down his kick drum parts at the last rock. Anyway, uh, it was we're going to have Johnny Limbo finish off that Friday night on June 23rd. It should be a great rock and roll review. And then the 24th is Saturday. That's our big night as well. We're going to have, I'll just say the headliners are Mike Skill and Brad Elvis of the Romantics. And they'll be here playing all of Mike's great hits, Talking in Your Sleep, That's What I Like About You, Rock You Up. But he's also got some great new Detroit garage rock, real edgy, punky, great stuff. Opening, it may be a, a, a quite a, a change from going one set to the other, but Ural Thomas will be, and The Pain will be opening up. He's got a great four-piece horn section. It's a really tight soul band, mm-hmm. great dance music. I've seen him at Waterfront Blues Fest. Oh, he's fantastic. And Ural Thomas, who used to open for James Brown at the Apollo, is back, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. You've got to see Ural. Um, and he's a local guy. He's, he decided to go live in Portland for like 50 years. Yeah. Maybe 70. I, I, he's He's been through it Am all. Am I right about that, seeing him at the Waterfront Blues? Is, yeah. 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 A lot of these bands you will have seen at the Waterfront yeah. Blues. We've got Mel Brown on Sunday. I also would like to mention there's a great... Folklorico Dance Group on Saturday the 24th. Uh, they're called Folklorico uh, Los Calores, and it's a Wilsonville youth elementary school, middle school dance group opening for Sabroso. They'll be on in the afternoon with Carl Smith of the Crazy Eights and the Ojeda Brothers. It's a really great Latin band. We're also going to have uh, Joey Altruda, from L.A. with Joe Bag, uh, He has a, a trio that'll be playing with after Sabroso. And uh, they've worked with Matt Dillon on several Afro-Cuban documentaries. Joey Altruda has just moved to the Northwest. He's a great score writer for many great movies. We're also going to have John Bunzo, you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Uh, a Nashville songwriter. Uh, has hits with Patti Loveless going way back. Uh, so he's more traditional country blues Americana. 
we'll start that Saturday off with him. And I'm excited to have one of my students bringing in her big band. Michelle and Ben Medler run the uh, Portland Youth Jazz Philharmonic. They're bringing in their big band on Sunday to open for Mel Brown, Pi Joe Big Band, and their Vanguard, which is their elite band. And then Michelle and Ben are going to bring in their quartet. She was my first student in 1990. No kidding. Uh, at, at Wilson Elementary. And uh, she, I couldn't keep up with her. She went on to compete at state and go to the Lionel Hampton jazz festivals. Wow. And and her husband, well, they've taken what used to be a city ensemble, Portland PYP and all that, and they've taken the jazz part private. So it's a great organization. A lot of uh, my former Valley students will be performing. We actually have two stages. Uh, we'll have a steel drummer from my first band, Christopher Kern, will be playing the steel drums. It should be a great... A weekend of uh, three days of music. Yeah, again, uh, if you've never been to the Lake Oswego Festival of the Arts, it is a really wonderful event with great music that Danny and his wife Ann curate. So, how I, you've been working with your wife on this, and that that's got to be nice, just to be able to have that partnership. Yeah, she worked in radio as well. Yeah, and her big thing is that I can't do is how do you write a contract? How do you get it to the artist? get it signed back, get it all legit. She also can help with steering committees and meetings. And she's just a great cleric mind uh, and very creative. She also is a singer. And uh, without Annie, I don't think I could have done any of this. In fact, she invited me to the festival 18 years ago. That's where we met. And uh, it's sort of a, we're always revisiting visiting our honeymoon there. Oh, that's very nice. So when you go see Danny at the Lake Oswego Festival of the Arts, go up and say, hey, happy honeymoon to you when, when you see him. And uh, he'll know what you're talking about. That's for sure. Well, again, wonderful lineup. Again, I've seen some great bands there over the course of the, the past few years. So can I mention just the, yeah, art, the yeah. art side of things? Uh, this is the first year we've really coincided the art with the music. So it's, as Dave said, it's a pop festival. And Gary Houston, uh, Tim Oakley, and Emek and Phyllis, yes, are famous poster and album artists. Tim Oakley uh, also did a lot of the Decemberist, Pearl Jam. I can't think of all the bands, but uh, many of the Fillmore West type posters. You remember the Grateful Dead? Oh, sure, yeah. I, I saw those on the website. Check out the uh, Lake Oswego Festival of the Arts website, and you'll see what Danny's talking about here. So we'll have a whole gallery, and these artists will be giving uh, lectures at certain points. Uh, there'll be video of them talking about how do you do art. And some of our artists, uh, the bands themselves, will be talking about the art in their album covers and their posters. Why that is important to have that multimedia yeah. tradition. We're celebrating that at Lake Oswego Festival this year. It's a it's a really great opportunity. Phyllis, yes, I think her Porsche will be there, the, the lace covered Porsche. Ooh. So it's it's these are heavies. These are people that uh, you think of Andy Warhol. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we're proud to have these artists and there, I think everyone, every band and every artist has mentioned, this is a unique festival. We don't get to do stuff like this every day. That's right. No, it, it is very unique, and uh, we love going there. So we'll we'll be there again uh, this year, too. Again, it's June 23rd through the 25th at George Rogers Park. Uh, great venue. Uh, you'll love it if you get a chance to go there. 
So, I, you know, I kind of mentioned this, or I did mention it in the open, but I, I did want to mention it again, it, you being a member of the Oregon Music Hall of Fame, uh, as well as with the band New Shoes and the Crazy Eights. So congratulations on that. I mean, that's 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 something special. And, uh, you know, you, you think about how many musicians there have been throughout this state over the course of you know, dozens and dozens of years, and to be a part of that group, that that's really, really nice. Uh, well, the great thing about Oregon Music Hall of Fame is, uh, and, and Terry Courier, the board president, is that they give back to youth artists, and uh, they give out s- several scholarships mm-hmm. every year, uh, thousands and thousands of dollars to uh, eligible uh, applicants who are going to major in music after high school. And s- some of those artists have returned to play at our festival. Kate Davis, who's played the White House, uh, uh, Haley Niswanger, famous sax player in New York, comes back and sits in with Mel Brown. So we have a cycle of nurturing young artists with the Oregon Music Hall of Fame, and they're an in-kind sponsor at our festival in Lake Oswego, by the way. Mm. So I'd like to thank Terry Courier, uh, owner of Music Millennium, for keeping uh, music live and weird. Yeah, and the Oregon Music Hall of Fame typically has their induction ceremonies in October. Most recently, it's been at the Aladdin Theater, and uh, we've gone to that several times, too. It's really a wonderful show, and uh, you get a chance to meet the inductees, and there's musical performances. So another thing to put on your calendar if you're really into music and supporting the arts here in the local area, the Oregon Music Hall of Fame, again, induction ceremonies in October. You can find out more. They have a website as well that you can go to to check that out as well. So we've talked about your early careers in music, your uh, the local bands that you've played in, your instructor, your music teaching at Valley Catholic High School and beyond, curating the music with your wife, Annie, at the Lake Oswego Festival of the Arts. Uh, what have I missed? I don't know, but it's just been a wild ride, and I am I still have a ways to go, I believe, God willing. So I'm looking for the next door to open. And there's always been interesting doors that open. Terry Courier, for instance, called me one time and says, Can you, uh, we can't find a sax player for Jeff Lorber, and we want to induct him this year. I mean... Those kind of opportunities come by, uh, come by once in a lifetime, and even though it was uh, uh, those, uh, those accolades, I like seeing them on my piano. I told my students as as they uh, awarded me, I the, the sisters wanted to award me a, a trophy once. I got a gold record from New Shoes finally after thirty three years. I said, Can we? can we share this moment? And so they, in front of the whole school, they hand me this gold record. And there's a story behind that I'll tell another time. But uh, Sister John Therese and the sisters, they gave me a a great hug there. And I thanked my students. I said, really, you are my great trophies. Mm. This is simply one of God's blessings. So thank you, uh, sisters of the St. Mary's of the Valley. I love you all. It's been the richest part of my career. Mm, that's beautiful. Danny Schaffler, great to talk with you. Appreciate all you've done for uh, my life as far as enjoying music, because there's been a lot of it that you've been involved with, being with New Shoes or the Crazy Eights, Valley Catholic, whomever the case may be. 
Well, uh, thanks for continuing in what I think is one of the greatest forms of media, radio. Ladies and gentlemen, you are with Dave Andres experiencing just the greatest way to get the word out and the news and what's happening in our community uh, with arts as well and music. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And again, Lake Oswego Festival of the Arts coming up June 23rd through the 25th. A great event, great music that Danny Schoffler and his wife, Annie, helped curate. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Danny, thank you again. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. And I hope you have good luck editing this long <laughs> yarn, but it's been really fun being here. No, it's it's beautiful. Hey, thanks for listening to On The Go. This podcast is available on the Hail Mary Media app, brought to you by Mater Day Radio. I'm David Endress, and I'll talk to you soon.